0: Welcome to the Homie Hub Podcast. I'm your host, John Facundo. And on this show, I shoot the breeze with some of my friends about their everyday lives. Some of them have managed to go on to do some pretty cool stuff. I'm talking to regular people who sometimes go on to do extraordinary things. So kick back, listen in, and enjoy the show. This is the Homie Hub Podcast. If
1: you're in school before, you can't wait. You're Get out Zach, how's it going, man? How are you? Thanks for having me here. Yeah, doing well, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, John, was really cool. I'm glad you asked me. This is like, this is, uh, I've done a few podcasts, but this is, this is like the first handful I've ever done. This is kind of cool. it right on. So give me your
0: background. Tell me okay, a little so bit about a- the band. Okay. let started.
1: Um, so, my name is Zachary Diebles, and uh, I am a musician, a producer. I started playing guitar and different instruments, just like anybody else when they were a kid. And when I was in high school, uh, a few of my friends and I, from other high schools, got together and started a band. And that band was Simon Says. Um, that was about sophomore and junior year of high school. And around the same time, I started DJing. And uh, the motivation to DJ was not to be cool. The motivation to DJ was because I didn't want to work at, like, pizza or, like, hamburgers. So then I, I, I started DJing, and I started doing that so I could part, do parties and stuff and, like, dances and things like that and earn money without having to work so much. And it kind of worked out. So <laughs> then that helped the band, because then that made me more valuable for the band. And so then we started kind of getting that together. And um, uh, it's kind of a short version is the band... Went on to uh, make a couple independent records. Um, so the first time it says record was called Little Boy, and then uh, that was like in '96 or so, right? Uh, yeah, and then, um, our second album was called Perfect Example, and that was in '97. Um, and then we signed to a larger label, a major label, um, Hollywood Records, and in '98, and we, um, In 99, we released uh, our first major label album, which was uh, Jumpstart. Um, And then after that, we made another album, our last, I guess, um, album as a band that we had made uh, in 2001 um, called Shut Your Breath. And so that was kind of the discography. That's my musical history. After that, uh, I went back to DJing. The band had broken up in 2002. um, I went back to DJing. And I was teaching music as well. And then um, once I had enough money to look, to put together my own studio, that's what I kind of did here. Um, and then um, I started producing a lot of hip-hop and rap, which I really loved. Um, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And um, I started taking after a lot of other more kind of avant-garde producers like Mike Dean and um uh, Apex Martin and... Guys, just kind of weird guys. But guys that were behind guys. So, like, for instance, for the last 10 years, that's basically, you know, what I've done is, like, a lot of hip-hop electronic duos, things like that. And for the last five years, I would say probably just before COVID, is when I really started focusing on, like, kind of trying to do that in my own regard. Like, so the guys like Mike Dean or Apex Martin or, or um, uh, Tommy Rush and these guys that, are, like, I'm really into, they all... Do things for other people like they're writing and playing with other people, like oh, seven, oh, shake or the weekend or whatever. They're their guy, you know, and that's kind of what I'm looking for as artists that I can work with and develop, um, hip hop duos or you know, pop artists, things like that. That, um, that you can kind of make it together and then bring it together, you know what I mean? But more of a producer artist relationship, not necessarily like a band, you know. So anyway, that's my, that's my story in a nutshell Told today. So. And then today I'm working on Romet is for Simon says, so whatever, you know. <laughs>
0: there it is. Love it. Yeah. there it is. So Simon says they're about the late nineties. Was on the wave of the Sacramento like new metal scene.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Can you walk us through the jumpstart? Um I mean the uh yeah, the jump start album. Yeah. In the uh-huh. process for that and your inspiration for that
1: for sure okay so like in when we started um our first basically, label album so in 98 with jumpstart we had a really we we were all super inspired by like bands like far and Gettones, tones uh, of course because both those bands were from sacramento and we looked up to them we were friends with them we still are um and we but they were they were much bigger and you know known before we were, and um, and so all that genre like Quicksand and Jawbox and Jawbreaker, and um, uh, there was a band called Bureau of the Glorious back then in in, in uh, Sacramento that I just thought was awesome. Uh, Prayer Wheel that was another big band in Sacramento. Kai Cohn, all these bands that were from Sac that we kind of looked up to more, with the exception of Quicksand and you know some of the hardcore stuff like Snapcase and stuff like that. But we we those bands were the ones that we looked up to, even though. We kind of had uh, a little bit more of a pop element. We were much more melodic. Um, we were lucky that Matt, our singer, could really sing. I mean, he's a really good singer. And, um, you know, he had not had any formal training. He was not like the guy that took lessons or any of that. And he never has. Um, he's just really good. And so we were lucky. And so some of our peers, there was like this kind of duality in the scene at that time when we were making Jumpstart where you had... Hardcore bands. When I say hardcore, I'm talking like so. Imagine late 90s, early 2000s. So you're thinking like, uh, the word refused. Okay. Like Thursday, uh, a lot of Victory Records bands, um, Strife, uh, uh, Earth Crisis, you know, like Hard Will Hayden, who sure, awesome. Well, I did there. Yeah. They, they were all like... It was like screaming all the time. But that, was part, that wasn't because they couldn't sing. It was because that was the genre. That was their style. That was their thing. Sure. So we, we really embraced like the mel- melody and stuff. We liked a lot of pop bands. <laughs> so we were kind of in that duality where you have like kind of like Far and Deftones were as well where you have this singer who screams as well and trying to make a melody but maybe make something kind of big and atmospheric at the same time. So we had all these influences anyway. So we went in to make Jumpstart, and it was it it was it kind of came out exactly as I kind of thought. Like it, it it sounds like uh exactly that. Like there's a band that's that's really heavy, but they've got these cool melodies that come out of nowhere. And if you told me they were you know 19 years old, I believe you. You know, I'm mean? like this. It just that was it. We were really energetic. We were really like uh, trying to make the best songs that we could at that time, which I think we did um we had a couple singles one was called life jacket um and it starts with a really cool arpeggio that i really loved and um then we had another single called slider and there's a video for that song it was like a live video more or less um and uh it was really fun we toured for like a year and a half and played with all kinds of bands like you name it like um kid rock stained limp biscuit uh corn we played some uh, festivals in Europe with Deftones. That was really cool because we had never played a show with them. And then we finally got to play somewhere and we were like in Germany. <laughs> right, right. It rad though because it was cool. It was like, dude, hey, we know you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Tell boys. Yeah, it was just like we came all this way to see each other. <laughs> it was just great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so like uh, Placebo and Foo fires, We had to do some really cool stuff. And uh, so that was really fun. So we, that record was a big... A big moment in terms of, yes, it was a major label album. We had bigger budget and uh, obviously everything is just, uh, you know, swelled up, um, you know, to a degree. But it was cool because, I mean, it was just really fun and really great. And we got to be really creative, you know, and not worry about you know, just how much money we were spending. <laughs> you know, like every day going like, okay, everybody, you know, everybody's got a few hundred dollars in the studio. Um, <laughs> you know, it's typical. So, no, it was cool. It was really cool, and we had never toured internationally. We had toured regionally, but not internationally, or really. We hadn't made it to the East Coast either. So it was—I mean, everything was just so like wow, you know. And uh, and we we tried to rise to the challenge. We just tried to be the best band we could, you know. You're we an opening band, so on a tour that can be rough. Uh, but you know, every band's been there, so it was like it was everything was just uh, such a a dynamic of learning at the same time you know, you are who you are, but you're trying to figure out where you belong in this lane. And I mean, sure. So sure. it was fun. Great. I know nothing was a great memory. Well, well excuse yeah, me. I,
0: I seem to remember catching you guys at the Cattle Club way back then. So oh, yeah. At the Cattle Club. Uh,
1: okay. mm-hmm.
0: And one of the things that um, resonated with me was the just sheer amount of energy that you guys would bring to the stage.
1: Yeah, it was fun. We have a real physical and totally just about it. Yeah, I think we... It was a good thing we were young.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> that takes stamina. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let you in on a, a little secret. There are times where I, I still um, crank Slider up and then dance around the house. So it, it pumps me up. It gets good me going.
1: R- good riffs. Got on good Power grips.
0: So after Jumpstart, you followed up with essentially your sophomore major label album. Walk me through a little bit of that.
1: After, after Jumpstart, this is about 2000, uh, maybe 2001, yeah, about the beginning of 2001, we'd already started writing for the next album, but we hadn't started recording anything, so we just started doing. Um, and this became a really bizarre uh, experience as far as making an album goes um, for us, because... <clears throat> In the middle of making our record, um, you know, of course, you know, being in a, a, a deal with a, a a large label, especially, you know, there's, there's, you got a lot of different people on the bus with you. You know what I mean? And sure. And everybody's smart. Everybody's really smart, actually. And everybody knows what they're doing and they're accomplished in what they do. And you got to trust them and stuff. And so we, because our first record, it didn't just you know take off of the stratosphere like we didn't you know go platinum so you know of course you're going to regroup and go okay well how what can we what can we do to make even better songs and now that we've been on the road and we've you know kind of had uh an experience i mean this is going to be it's already already had changed our writing like just just in the way that you're writing about now experiences that are both good bad but like really great for musicians because that's where you belong is out there with the people and out there with the audience showing them your music. I mean the audience comes last but at the same time that's what that's what the tour is for. It's just okay, now you gotta go out there and bring it to the people. And so we learned a lot from that and um and so we brought it all to the studio. And this time we wanted to make a, a little bit more of a heavier record. We thought that like some of the things that we were um uh kind of I don't know able to do on the first record we just we felt like let's trim the fat a little bit what we liked on the road was the meat and potatoes the songs that really connected were clear that we we really like seemed to find an our, our genre in our lane or thing that we do well so we tried to hone in on that and that was like like a strong riff single string a lot more just stuff things that I, these are things in my head I just I liked the simplicity of like big choruses without Walking all over Matt and like things like that, and it was like okay, you know, you starts to connect live, and you take that in the studio with you. So, the second was major level album, Shut Your Breath, we did that with Mark Needham again, who produced the first records, Jump Your Start, Jump Start, sorry, Jump Your Start, Jump Start, and uh, uh, and uh, but we wanted it mixed by somebody that had done records that we were really listening to, and that and and we felt like connected. And that record uh, was the new newest Filter record. We had toured with Filter a lot. And we became kind of friends with them, and we just learned a lot about their process and um, as far as engineering and mixing, and it was really cool. And we got to spend some time with Richie in Chicago. I was at his studio at the time. Um, I don't think he's there anymore, but anyway. And uh, and it was just a really eye opening. Like, wow, okay, because in those days it wasn't like now where you just Google it. So like it was, it was if you hadn't really seen it or been around it. it was you maybe heard about it but there was like there's things that you just don't know and you need to and to connect with the people that do know those things you you know have to reach out hire them do these things wherever but it was really nice to be able to go and go okay like how does this sound exist how do we get these types of sounds i want to get this one either and so we got a little bit more involved our hands dirty and like sculpting it and it was really really fun so we went to uh larabee which is a really cool studio down uh in la and we we tracked drums there and then we went to um we went to this studio uh out in chatsworth it was really funny but like molly crew recorded there all like their guitars and they had a bunch of gear and it was really cool um and um, um and then we had ben grows who had done both filter records at that point um title record and short bus he mixed it and it just it came out exactly as we saw it like it was just raw heavy kick snare guitar and it, everything in here was was just exactly as it should be. I, I felt like it was our strongest effort yet. And so, um, uh, even though it took... It, that was the thing that was... The weird experience was that it took, though, so, like nine months, I mean, which was insane. Like, we... I mean, this is a really long time. You know, you take too long, you can get burnt out, you know? And sure. You know, I mean, you used to hear about, like... I don't know how... I mean, I guess you can if you got the budget, but, I mean... Nine months, like, you're not in the studio nine months straight. It was, like, a few months, and then we took some time off. Like, we did the holiday thing or whatever. And then a few more months, then we do some more writing. And it was intermittent. So that was a little bit different for us. Whereas, usually, we had gone in. We'd done a lot of writing, pre-production, everything, and then go in and record. Whereas, this one, we kind of went in and out and did a lot more things outside um, of the actual studio. And it it was just different, you know? But it came out better. And we took our time. And I think... Even though they, they kinda they I could tell they the label was kinda pulling back on things. I think it was just tiny wise on their part too, which is a factor in when you release records, but um it all it all came out great, you know. But the weirdest thing was like uh about what two and a half months after it came out, not Oh no, 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 I just back. Not even a month. No, no, Dude. it was, I uh, So yeah, sorry. Two months, like less than two almost like less, like it's like two months minus a week or something, not 11. Right. Wow. And that was like, I mean, the whole world changed, you know, I'm sure, sure. it's, hard to, it's hard to explain to anybody that wasn't there, but the bottom line is the whole world shut down. I mean, you thought right. you, you think the pandemic was weird. I've been through both and now it was like, it's just like, like the pandemic with war. Right. With, with like. Everybody thinking everything's gonna blow up all the time. So that changed our record cycle. <laughs> you know, so uh but it was a great record and we had a lot fun and we toured on it, we toured with typo negative and um stained again and um um uh, uh a bunch of bands and stuff and then um we had some personal issues in the band and then about maybe nine months, maybe a year later, uh we broke up. So mm. uh, and there that was it. But
0: it's all good. So then Simon says it's more or less dormant for 20 years.
1: Yeah, so as of 2002, we're pretty much, yeah. I mean, it was like we had broken up. Um, we, had, uh, we were released from the label, which was nice, actually, instead of getting dropped. It was like we got released. Um, I'll say this on record because everybody tells these we experienced labels and stuff. And, like, we don't, I mean, you know, I disagree with them on stuff. Of course we do. But, you know, I don't have this bigger thing of, like, I don't know. Everybody screwed us. I think there's that, that out there sometimes that people think and, um, I've seen that online. And I always go, nah, it's not the case. I mean, it is what it is. My God, man, i am other things get mad about. Besides, <laughs> uh, they, you know, here we are 20 years later and they've helped us get our records re-released to the public.
0: So let, let's talk about that process and how that happened because there for a long time. And unless you had CDs or, dare I say, cassettes or vinyl, there's no way to get an old assignment, says. Okay, Stop. so
1: yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll th- this is good to say. Uh, you're right. It's like, so 2002, imagine you t- time worked 2002. And if you're, let's say you're 30 years old, well, that's a pretty archaic time. 2000, know, yeah i mean unless you had cds cassettes or maybe vinyl if you were you know enthusiast which was still then there's a lot of vinyl enthusiasts back then too um yeah hard, to, almost impossible to get i mean you could the internet was around you could order some things on amazon actually um things like that but it was very scarce and usually it was like somebody's cd they burned from somebody else. Right. you know something uh, like that we were not like um, I mean I wish we were, but we were not a multi platinum band, so you didn't also have two million CDs out there, okay. right? So uh, you know it's all supply and demand, right? So the the retailers or record stores at the time would order whatever you know their sales are showing, or they were trying to promote it, or for coming through town or whatever. So there might have been like maybe fifty thousand, maybe uh, maybe more. I'm I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe a hundred thousand copies out there in circulation, say for sale at that time right and there were still copies being shipped because it did get released in europe or yeah europe and uh, and japan um so i guess eastern asia western asia, is that i don't know mm-hmm. not a geographer anyway so <laughs> uh yeah uh so you know but it was cool they had them there but just not a lot so you're right so they wouldn't have been very available so as of 2022 up until 2020, 2020, actually, right, we had not alone together. Like, we were friends, I mean, a couple of us, you know, mm-hmm. but people get older, people have to move on, you know, we were not wealthy, people have to get jobs and, you know, and move on to other things, and that's what we did, and whether it was musically or personally or professionally, that's what we all did, um, right. and uh, so you fast forward 20 years to t- 2020, And Matt, the singer, um, Matt Franks, he approached me. Him and I kept in contact throughout the years. We're still really close friends. And he approached me about, hey, what do you think about jamming? You know, and I was like, sure, whatever. The biggest things that were a hurdle were exactly the things that you would assume. Like, sure, we are not um, unique in that regard. We are formal dudes. Um, none of us were come from a lot of money. Uh I, I mean yeah, definitely not. And like um we we were just typical kids in the boobs and we got we just worked really hard when we, you know, and we didn't have a lot of other things to focus on and we didn't also none of us had brothers and I think that bonds together a lot too. Um, none of us were very cool to like the normal regards of what's cool, you know, high school nurses. So we kind of all just banded together. And it was like the things now in 2020 that um, just it was obvious, like all that stuff was just all the things that anybody at that age and handling that could have gone through. Right. I mean, I skipped through a lot, but you're, you know, you're talking about serious people with serious um things on the line and it's not just a it, I, I mean it is about music but it's not just a, the music you've got you know we just like any band we had crew members and sure. um, people that depended on us and uh you know people that we worked with and like you know that you want to succeed for yourself and you want to succeed for them too you know like i don't like to tell my guitar tech or our road manager, like sorry man I'm like you got to find another gig, you know, like whatever. Right. And you know, it's like, you don't want to let anybody down. But at the same time, personal things just came over. But all that stuff was all being young, trying to get, you know, growing, growing up quickly and dealing with a lot of things at once that I think none of us knew how to handle. And after a while, I think trying to keep a band together is, it was like a marriage that just, it couldn't t- stand the weight of all the stresses of these four different dudes all having to handle this on their own way. But, it was tough, and then, like I said, with nine eleven, that became even tougher because um, that period of time was—I mean, no one knew what was going to happen, so everything was just kind of weird, you know. And um, yep, along with that, I'll just pile it along with that. There was this transition from like oh three to about oh six, where you, you know, we went. I think it was two G went to three G, and like you, um. um you could have more video and have more things in your phone. So access became better. MySpace started that kind of thing. And the industry changed. I mean, so, um, I mean, even the genre, like, uh, I think rock music kind of fell off, like because of the digital age and it, in uh, file sharing was so much easier. People were able to get more of anything. And so it diversified, everything and so we mm-hmm. a bit of all the lot more you know what i mean right and so that that changed everything too so imagine you're a band that's struggling inside and out and then you know it, doing business with a ma- massive company you know and like and they're not sure what the hell they're doing because it's not a lot it's just right it was it was a it was a weird it was a weird
0: time yeah
1: weird time man and I look back and I, just, I honestly shake my head because I, I, I don't even remember all of it. I kind of go like, <laughs> it, was so weird. Oh, it was so weird. You know, like, yeah, and everybody we, was weird and then it got weirder. Right. All of us had friends that we were only 24, 25 at the time. So anyway, so yeah, it was crazy. But now we're back together.
0: Um, How did you guys get back together? And tell me about like the catalog being released.
1: okay so um 2020 we got we got back together uh for a couple of jams i wouldn't say we got back together officially and then um those jams were really good but really weird and totally emotionally kind of just like i think all of us were like this is whack you know like it just really was You don't see you don't see people but 20 years weird you know right you know, especially when you're like i mean i've lived with them I. Being every day for years you know you're going that's second marriage Except, like so then 2021 22 um it just became apparent that like man you know like how come our albums and this is what had happened during that flux from 03 to 06 07 a lot of major label bands if you had not stole the ton of records and i'm talking hundreds of thousands of albums right and this is before iTunes necessarily, you may not be available because you didn't make the transition from, say, hardware, like CDs, tapes, all that stuff, to digital. And, right. and we were just right in the middle of it, of like when that transition happened and when we got off our label. And I think that what ended up happening is there was just simply the administration of anything Simon says kind of ceased right so it became a uh, probably a a red line on a balance sheet somewhere or in a computer and we had moved on i'm certainly not pursuing simon says stuff i had other fish to fry just like the rest of the guys in the band at that time and so it kind of you're right laid dormant and kind of we our albums were not available online you know all, all the way up until this year 2023 which is weird but so what happened was in 2021, uh, we were approached by a guy named Holiday Kirk. He has a Discord and it's a new metal genre like Discord. And he loves mm-hmm. like um, Limp Biscuit and corn, the whole st- the whole genre. He's he's just a fan, he's a good dude, and he's got this thing. So anyway, he says, you know, how come your guys' have stuff and is available? And he hits us up or hits their sure. map. And 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 Matt goes, you know this guy? And I'm like, Oh, no? <laughs> I <mean>, <laughs> you know burger cd and send it to him i don't know you know what i mean <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 like for real why isn't your stuff up i want to help you get it up you want he's like i want to help you get this stuff online i want you guys albums this is ridiculous i love you guys I, I, uh. so we he was for real we got together with him and he basically i mean was just such a nice guy and such a fan about it and he's got this great following all why that he kind of lit up a lot of people and said man this band should do this and we just kind of took the bait and said, you know what? This guy's right, dude. This is stupid. I'm too old to, like, I don't care about whatever we were fighting for about 20 years ago. I don't even I care. You're Does <laughs> Right. <laughs> no one does. And it's like, you know. And so I was like, I just want to play guitar. I'm to a point in my life now where I have a studio of my own. It pays for itself. My I make my life making, playing music. That's it. I, that's all I have to do. And it's like, thank God for that. I can play out rock, you know what I mean? Just for fun. I mean, sure, why not? So we did. And so immediately I started hitting up Hollywood Records, our old label, the major, and said, hey, how you doing? Uh, and they were really cool. I mean, like, I, honestly, I would love to say, like, oh, the, you know, the man was, Disney was hard, you know, they, they didn't want to look over this. Oh, yeah, they were totally cool. I mean, they were really cool. Um shout out to to Miss Swintech and that's my girl over there. She was just as sweet as could be and the nicest and professional. They she understood. Um I just I was honest. This is this is what people you know should take when you know, especially these days, everybody got some gimmick trying to sell something, trying to tell me something or whatever. Everybody's so full of crap, right? It, be honest with far. You'd be surprised how far you get. I was oh, sure. sure. I was like, look, I'm just an i'm just a musician man Where do i know you know what i mean like i'm not a lawyer i don't know anything i don't even know who to call i literally called hollywood i was like you know what i mean they gave me this girl's email and i was like look my name's zach i'm a guitar player in this band and she was cool man and like i just told her the truth i was like i just want to get my stuff out the band's gonna get back together we rebooted and they were i mean like i said they could not have been nicer no lawyers i want want to say that out loud no lawyers Kind of cool, awesome. high ah, cool. So, you know, if you're cool, to, if you're just cool and kind, guys, yeah. how far you can get,
0: you know what I mean? Little honey it gets you a long way,
1: yeah. Oh, man, just be cool, man. That's the lesson of the music be cool, Five yeah. ah, you know what I mean? Because, because, yeah, it ain't gonna do any good if you're not cool. Like, yeah. yeah, you gotta hang, you gotta hang, you gotta be cool, man. But anyway, so. What I was going to say was, is yeah. So now we got it out online. It's all everywhere. Everywhere you can go to Spotify, iTunes, all stuff, and listen to Simon Says exactly as it sounds like it's spelled like the game. Anyway, so we got back together. We have new singles coming in February, March, and April of 2024. Four in May. I just found out today. Four in August. We're playing with Nonpoint. And um, I pretty much am like, I'll be honest with you, I don't even know how I'm here right now. I credit, I credit Matt, uh, our singer. He's the peacemaker. I think he has always been the guy that, like, he's just a real one. Like, you know what I mean? You have a friend like that can just kind of, like, the glue. Right. Yeah, man, like, like, he can, he's just that dude, like, that your friend that, no matter what, he can just look at you and be like, bro. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Like that. It's like that. And I was, I was telling a friend of mine, a few of my friends, um, who are fans of the band and stuff, uh, and they and they, they ended up going to Iraq, you know, uh, Iraq too. Sure. Uh, anyway, and um, and they you know they made it back. They're cool. And anyway, I was trying to explain to them this bond, you know. And they're like, "Well, it's kind of like I, they, you know." I was trying. To exp- I was trying to, like, "Well, I was in a fraternity in college, and it's not like that, dude. It's not like that." <laughs> I mean that has its own thing too. If it depends on your experience, mine was cool, but but it's not like that. I was like, he's like, it's kind of like war. He's like, he's all there's things that you've seen together that not many people see, and if you haven't seen it, but since you were there with them, it's like a whole different like that. Standing with you, we saw something that will never wash off together. Right, right. And I was like, I guess so. I wouldn't equate it to somebody that's been to war. I've never been to war, but uh, but it's it's basically like that, like our experiences together, I mean, none of us had ever been anywhere. We had never, we never traveled. We had never seen, you know, Oklahoma or Texas before. Sure, We saw it all together. We were like, right. you know, we saw Madison Square Garden together. We saw everything together. And it was like, so that's, it's, it's weird 20 years on how that just falls right back into place. And you like, and you just, it's, it's like, it's exactly as you think you just pick up right you left off it's weird it's weird and everything the all the fighting and the dumb stuff just feels stupid you know
0: and and so now you've hit the reset button yeah you're refreshed i gotta imagine the creative juices are flowing how are the new the new session going
1: how's all that going we got like six songs like already in the can that are new songs mm mm-hmm going to do we're going to do two songs uh that were so we're taking two songs life jacket on the first uh jumpstart major lever and then there's a song that um was never released um uh, uh on uh, ever um and it was actually taken off uh shut your breath we had some disputes about the record uh the lyrical content um uh, that's a really cool story How do I? i'll tell you uh, we'll do another podcast. That's good. Sounds good. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, we got a, we got a phone call from uh, Michael Eisner. <laughs> Literally. Okay. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's totally cool. But shout out to Michael Eisner. Okay. We don't like ever see a phone call from from Mr. Eisner. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, but yeah, so it just feels uh, it feels great. We're Kurt, we're stoked. The thing that's really cool is we're gonna re-record a couple of these songs to modernize them. So, Joe. Do- you know, obviously, technology has changed, and it's gotten so much bigger and better, and all these things you can do. You know, like we talk, you and I talked about some of the you know geeky stuff, like the Atmos mixing for vocals, and uh, all these great things that you can do, and the file sharing, and things that are so accessible now. We Simon says never got to take advantage of any of that. So imagine being a band and then walking into you can do almost anything you want. It's just you're you are your own limit. I mean, but it's creatively. Digitally now, you know, modeling all kinds of things. Oh man, and I'm like, this is right where I'm supposed to be. So I feel like, in a weird way, it's just it's totally textbook. And if I if somebody knew my entire life, this would totally fit. But like, this is exactly like the way that it's supposed to be. Like, you know,
0: you fell into the cracks, um, and I don't mean that in an offensive way, but you fell into that crack after nine eleven. And yeah it's mean, kind of a, a little bit of like redemption for you guys I think it is as a like,
1: I'm thankful I think that's what I'm trying to get as like I, I you know I look around too I mean I'm not dumb I'm I, I I'm in the music business I'm just not in that genre so much so at least I haven't right. been for like seven or eight years and like it's it's a different world and it's it's really cool that rock has come back because I I used I mean when I was teaching music you know and pay my bills and stuff. I used to tell students all the time because i used to teach guitar and i would just i'm like don't don't count out bach music because like it's easy and it's fun and that is usually all you need for kids to want to do it if it's fun and easy, i'm down you know like it's not that complicated whereas like some of the other things like i, I like whether it's on the computer or doing stuff with MIDI and things like that, which are amazing now, you can do almost anything. You on your phone, you know, but it's not quite as cool, you know. Like, they're still playing a guitar, playing a drum set, rocking out with your friends is still cool, man. And running in that energy. Oh, that yeah, and that, and I, that's what I love about like some of just I'll tell you some of these. Um, my I do a lot of rap, and I do a lot of kind of like you said, like really out there, kind of like some of the stuff you hear, like travis scott type of stuff that vibe that little dark kind of weird that that's what i'm i'm really into That is kind of um weird stuff anyway but um really atmospheric and dark kind of stuff and i think that it's really neat because people young people now they don't know any better just like we didn't know any better and and they know what they have and like this is what they work with this is what they do and what i love though is that like since there's not this, it's not like it used to be where there were rappers and rappers and um pops and then there was this rock right. bands and then there, it's like like this now it's just like you know and it's, yeah. it's awesome because I you know my rap clients come with with misfits or song, you know or whatever. you know whatever and I'm like that's rat like they'll come to me like See, you hear this like synth on the on the Cinderella record like what the what is that you know and I'm like that is cool that is what I'm talking about making things come together like what I always felt like was that the best music is is just is there is is you know what you think it's it's a bunch of things come together but if you can make things that don't normally come together I mean don't get me wrong don't you know it's like why are them brown socks and a black suit I mean no I'm saying like <laughs> you know what I mean right. like you know, saying bad I'm saying like but like putting a you know why can't 808s be in rock music, well, corn kind of was like, oh, we can do that." You know why not? You know, I'm like run DMC and all those, it, all that stuff, and and BC Boys and those things can still be relevant because now it's just a, a new, better, cleaner, more efficient, faster version. But like, you can put a guitar over electronic drums over a regular bass with a moog. It it don't matter, and I just think that's like that's so great. But a lot of people. I think don't think it's really great, but I do. I, I think it's, I think it's amazing that you can do so much, and the cream will still rise to the top. It's just that's always the way it'll be, you know.
0: I, yeah, you'll always have, you'll always have your purists and say, "Oh, we can't do that. That's not rock." But at the end of the day, it's it's your creative process, your band's creative process, how right. the energy the energy that you bring, and the energy that's coming back to you from the fans. That's what's yeah,
1: most important, ho- right? Honestly. I'm like, if you're honest, with absolutely. Because I think, especially in this genre, I would say in, um, in the new metal, like heavy genre. I mean, look, every kid wants to, I mean, every boy, I would say, you know, wants to, they get to a point where they just want like, you know, to, you know, yeah. like, you know, kind of just, yeah, and like, oh, whatever. I don't care what color you're from, what country you're from. And boys sometimes sometime just want to rage. You know what I mean? Just go nuts. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and so, like, it's like, if you if I just look at that as myself in my in that regard, I go, yeah, you know, like I want to make stuff that's you know, but maybe to a kid now, instead of making loud guitar, maybe it's distorted eight oh eight, you know, maybe, it, maybe it's maybe it's screaming, uh, like like there's a guy named this guy is on Epitaph, and it's, uh, like NASCAR, um, LO. I don't know if you've ever heard mm-hmm. him, but he's like a punk electronic. Okay. And it, he, he belongs on epitaph. Like, so he looks like a guy in rancid, but it's totally like punky, nine inch nails with like it mm-hmm. pots. and it's like a whole movement, you know. And I'm going, yes. that that can never be accepted. Like when it just wouldn't have, you know, and it, it, people would, right. You know, why are you doing this? You're, da-da-da-da-da. but now I just love it that you can do that if you're honest, you know. Whether and I think that's the thing I was gonna say with this genre. Everybody can tune their guitar day onto a drop tuning and it's pretty easy to play. And that's, that's, that's rad. That's what's rad about it. But it's what you do. So, like, the same thing I always found like some of my friends that play guitar in other bands when, when we were, this is uh, before, like, like Tapper, you know, I, I, we still to this day love those guys. And, um, you know, I, I like their guitars a lot or even Stefan from, from Deftones, you know, but I guarantee you, whether it's Stefan or, or, uh, Mike from Taproot or a, a guy like somebody Mike from Stained or, or um, you know, Nonpoint or whatever. It's going to sound like that. They, they, their hands seem to do a thing that sounds like them. Like, even if I picked up the guitar, Eddie Van Halen, I'm never going to be Eddie Van Halen. But he can make it sound like Eddie Van Halen. Every guitar. It's not the guitar. It's him. So, like, I feel like uh, that's why I, I have, like, an open mind with this kind of thing where it's like there's no competition. There's no you know, whatever, it's just, it's because no matter what you do, it's going to be different than what I do. It doesn't matter. And I think that i that such an open uh, attitude, whereas because we didn't, because we didn't have all the information it wasn't so accessible, there's all this mystery, which caused a lot of like, kind of competition and animosity towards things you didn't know, you know, or if they didn't want because right. you didn't understand it. Well, now you can get things and see things and learn about things. So you don't have to like really mock it as much as you can embrace it and be like dude this guy's wearing like a slayer shirt with a pyrex and you know rapping with a guitar player and it's like i i it's awesome i think it's awesome
0: yes yes well i I know you're pressed for time so i won't take up too much of your time and we can we can do part two later
1: yeah um i have a i have a session tonight but um but yeah i can do really appreciate it
0: but uh i'm looking forward to to seeing what you guys do with this new material i'm really excited about it Uh, do you want to plug your shows and maybe plug your socials
1: i think yeah it should should, it's uh simonsaysus.com so just like you think it's spelled um uh, simonsaysus that's on instagram and um yeah simonsaysus.com tells you everything so just go there but it will be uh yeah there's we have a show march 22nd in sacramento at goldfield uh in Roseville, and then we have one in LA at Whiskey, um, April fourth, I believe. And then um we go on tour in May and then we go on tour again in August and then I think we're doing a bunch of festivals in between. And um I'm I'm stuck. I'm I'm totally lucky. I think that um I don't know. I think it's weird that I, that I can just you know be in a band again like that. I think I'm really lucky, like really lucky. It's really cool. That's sick. Uh, I, that's I, cool. I, I'll be I'm like, I swear to God, like I'm not. Like it's it's cool. I'm like I I, I I'm like that's right. <laughs> I, I gotta, I, it's a good day job. I, like, it's a good night job. <laughs> like I didn't have, I had guitars, but like it right. keeps eight Marshall cabs for twenty right. years. I, I mean, I had so much gear, you know. You can do these tours and you got road cakes, gear, and and, and boxes for things that you you wouldn't believe. You know what I mean? I got all, I, I got rid of all that stuff going like, you now. I don't need, you know, seriously, I don't need eight Marshall Cakes. So, and then it was like, when we got back together, it was like, oh, cool. Well, shoot, I'm going to do this. So, I'm gonna go out and buy me a new guitar. Like you know, I went and bought a bunch of stuff, and it's like it's awesome. And I got some stuff for free. I got some stuff from sponsors, but it was like, it was like, imagine, yeah, like you know, if you're into cars and someone goes, well, you should probably go out and buy a car, right? You're all, (laughs) yeah, no problem, (laughs) (laughs) yes, sir. (laughs) So so, yeah, that was cool. I'm like a kid. That's awesome. Well, do, do we have time for a quick lightning round? Yeah. Okay.
0: Number one, if you could dine with a ce- celebrity, living or dead, who and what's your first question?
1: Easy. Elizabeth Hurley. I'll do anything you want. Okay. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> right off the jump. <laughs> okay. I don't care. Enough. <laughs> She's not even real. She was made in a factory in New Zealand or something. She's... I don't know what's going on. She, she has some sort of secret. Shout it out to Liz Hurley. All right. Yes.
0: Number two, name a movie or TV show you could watch repeatedly
1: without getting bored. Mm, I would say Heat. Really? Yeah, but... I like Heat. Michael Mann's my favorite director. Um, and the reason is uh specifically because he at least is what I've read. I don't know the guy. <laughs> uh he likes to shoot it at night. And that's why all of his movies look kinda dark and kinda Yeah, he's got this kinda which I like in music too, which doesn't surprise me. Like he likes he likes to shoot at night. He likes the streets all he was one of the first guys, I guess Miami Vice was one of the first shows to do that, you know, water all the asphalt down. Right. For the lights and stuff. And I didn't know that he he had a lot to do with that back in the 80s and stuff, so it kind of intrigued me. And I noticed that his movies, whether it was Heat, um, Collateral, um, um, anyway, all of these movies are kind of... Oh, even the Miami Vice movie, which I liked. I don't care. I mean, it's Miami Vice. Come on, man. You know, driving Gretel. a quarry. It's a lot of them. You know what I mean? like, but, and, and Nonpoint had the soundtrack song in it. Oh, there you go. Shout out to Nonpoint. They redid, they redid the uh Phil Collins song, which if you never heard that version, Nonpoint does it justice. that shout out to Nonpoint, because I love that. Yes. Uh but um uh, yeah, go check out like In the Air in the Night by Nonpoint. They did that. Okay. it's it's big guitars and stuff. It's awesome. Anyway, um, but he does all the like the lighting specifically like that. And I thought in that movie, Miami Vice, the the movie that he remade, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was really cool. You know, so I'd say heat. Write it on. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah. All right, number number three. Um, can you recall a standout writer that you had on tour? What was your typical writer like on tour?
1: Well, oh, like a hospitality writer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we well, we learned that um, sometimes a hospitality writer can be a telltale for how the venue um not necessarily promoter but the venue may be paying attention to detail um you know i mean look everybody you know gets on work right but when you're on tour and stuff there's certain things that are kind of like just like almost like routine like when you say you you load in at a certain time you they have like lunch for the crew or they do a buyout or something like this all like certain things you know and so if you ask for certain things um and you don't get them, sometimes it's an expense thing, but sometimes it's a, uh, they just didn't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? But then you're kind of going, well, what else are you not caring about? Like, you know, like, come on, man. Like, you know, so right. anyway. Um, so we used to stick a couple things on our hospitality rider to see if they would be paying attention to detail. So we would stick like um, uh, socks. Oh, damn. Which actually had a purpose because it would be, it's nice to like, put on socks. So you go, go play a show, put on socks and just take them all, and throw them away. That's the sure. Yeah, uh, no laundry and you know, brand new socks. Feels good. Right. Um, and just, you know, just white soup stock. Socks. Boy, <laughs> swim cap, swim, cap. Okay. Uh, uh, swim caps are on usually bigger venues because there'd be so many working parts and so many people that you want to know right away of like, do we need to like, take care of this, like, you know, or something like, you know, cause you know, when you, let's say you're on a, uh, a large tour, a large theater or a lar- like even an arena or something, it's not exactly easy to get around. So like if you need to get something done, you wanna know about it, it might take a minute. You know what I mean? Like right. train. you gotta right. you gotta golf cart yourself cross the place. You know what I mean? Sure. Go, yeah. Like things like that become like your little I don't know, uh, secret to like know if you need you know, what needs to be done or maybe what's not, you know. But right. I don't know. Right. I really had experiences. I don't I didn't have any like I mean, I had some crazy experiences, but never like, uh, you know. I don't think anybody ever like screwed us or anything like that.
0: It's it, it's always funny when you're on tour, right? And you show up, and it's pizza. I mean, that's a go to for every rider, right? If they if they don't follow your rider to a tea, it's just pizza, a couple boxes of pizza, and then it's it's the I, same thing, pizza. <laughs> I was
1: always on for the buyout. I mean, especially because and we kind of usually put our buyout. I think a little bit cheaper than than just little normal because I think we're all most of our tours were like clubs and theaters. Yeah. We did a few arena things, but uh big, big things, but that wasn't that's not very common. At least at our level it wasn't. And um you know, so sometimes it's just better like when they do a buyout they basically just, Hey, we're gonna give you uh twenty, thirty dollars each to go eat somewhere. Yep. Whatever. And then you just take that with your per diem, you know, that you get anyway. You know, you add it up and you go, go get a nice dinner. I mean, like, yeah. that was one thing is like, if you could just eat, if you could eat once a day pretty well, that was pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. But usually once a week, you try to go to like a nice dinner or something. Mm-hmm. Or like, I mean, I'm, when I say nice, I'm talking like, you know, black Angus or <laughs> like. Sure. Yeah. I like a steak. Oh, you know, yeah. 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 Shang's yeah, or something. I'm not talking about. You Know, but, but you know, it's like, but that that when you can like take your time, eat and order a bunch of stuff with the crew or something like that. But like, yeah, I don't know. Usually, eating always was inconvenient and um, sucked. That's why bands lose weight on school, you know, because you oh, totally. you're totally not You're know, sorry, you're partying and not eating, and then and like, then you get back in the studio and you get fat again because you do all you do is sit around and eat. <laughs> yeah, you're you're doing the opposite, exactly. It's okay, it's all part of the normal site. Right on, man. Well,
0: thanks so much for your time, man. Appreciate it. And uh, I'll out to you soon. Well, folks, that's a wrap for the Homie Hub. Stay chill, stay curious, and I'll catch you on the flip side.